Hey, welcome everybody to the next episode of the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast, powered by JC Innovations and Kedco. This is the podcast that helps to bring forward the stories about the people, the organizations, the places, just all the great things that make Kosciuszko County unique. And so, Jody Claypool, happy, so happy to be back with you, sir. Uh, back here online on Teams, using the beauty of technology making the best we can of 2020 uh, to make this podcast happen. And Tony Metziger, thank you so much for joining us as our special guest today. Thank you for having me. I've only got my, I have one question. I just need to know, does Jody have his cup of coffee with him? Uh, no, no, I'm taking a break right now. Um, oh. I did finish up an energy drink, so I'm, I'm still riding on the fumes of the caffeine from that. <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah, I have my cup of coffee recovered. Okay, you're set. I've got a couple bags. I have yet to crack into it. I've got a, a bag of the um, hazelnut flavored Aldi's coffee that I got to get through. Uh, and then I'm then I'm going into my black rifle stash. I'm going to try that out. Okay. If I can get if I can pry a bag of coffee from my wife's hands, I need to get you to try it. She swears by it. It's Madcap Coffee from six six one six out of Grand Rapids. And anybody that's tried it says she is bragging about it because it tastes good, not because it's from her hometown. Right on. I'm not a coffee guy, so I can't, yeah. I have no dog in the fight other than listening to people talk about it. Right on. Next time I headed, I, I'm actually headed up there uh, tonight. Uh, well, not to Grand Rapids, to Kalamazoo. I might swing up there, uh, you know, over this break, pick up, uh, you said 616? It's by 616 Brewery. I think it's called Madcap. I will send you a picture of the bag. Please, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I pick up a bag if I'm up yes. in that area. Then you can tell me. You can be the unbiased. You can break this little discussion, argument that we have, because in her mind, everything's better in Grand Rapids. So we'll see. Right on. Right on. Well, I look, I look forward to being the deciding vote on that. Outstanding. I love it. That so, does uh, remind me that the, uh, the podcast that the Grand Rapids Chamber does, I think it's Grand Rapids, they actually on their podcast feature a different beer every episode. You know, they'll sit and enjoy a local, you know, craft brew or something, and uh, you know, give some give some feedback. I mean, you know, not the real, the real in depth, you know, where they're going on the website and scoring the beer, but at least you know, it's uh, it's coffee and, and conversation or you know, beer and banter kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we we should incorporate uh, you guys drink beer and compare that and I'll drink the coffee and compare that. That would work great. Alan, as you say that, I mean, I'm sure I don't know how much you but Grand Rapids has quite a story from an economic development and turnaround in itself and and they accomplished that with rejuvenation of their downtown area and a lot of the microbreweries and restaurants and again, I didn't know much about Grand Rapids other until I met my wife um there who's from there and then got to spend some time there but it's just really a neat town and just a lot of these you know breweries microbreweries and craft breweries that really have revitalized and of course the city's put a lot of money in the downtown area to help fund some of that rejuvenation with the vacant buildings and things but yeah we're looking at places like that i mean we actually identified and uh, profiled a series of uh, communities around the Midwest. I mean, a little smaller places like, but in Michigan, Benton Harbor and uh, uh, Midland, for example, Finley, Ohio. I mean, we want to make sure we're in the same conversation as those kind of places that are able to do really well uh, with just a, a great industry base, uh, amenities, uh, you know, things you just wouldn't expect to associate with a small kind of Midwestern city or community. Yeah, for sure. All right, hey, over to you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm introducing uh, Tony Metzinger, who um, is uh, a friend of mine. We actually attend the same church, uh, WCC. So holla for anybody going to that church. Um, and uh, you know, we we meet weekly and hang out at least weekly, I think. And uh, it's always a joy. And I'm excited to learn more about Tony's origin story. I have a I have a a bit of background, but I don't have the full story. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Tony to give us the soup to nuts, Tony Metzinger, the great story. Okay. 
Well, I will. I won't start from when I was born because that would get boring and you might lose your audience. But I grew up in Lafayette, Indiana, and um, it was my dad and my family. They they were farmers there, and my dad owned his own business. He owned a machine shop, and so that's where really I got exposed to. It was not the machine shops you see around the Kosciuszko County area in Warsaw. It was very much manual equipment, very much skilled machinist doing the things that they do and more of a more of a maintenance repair type shop fixing things for industry around town and then on occasion doing little bits but i was exposed to the to the machine shop and then went into that actually after high school because my dad when i finished high school i really did not apply myself i had the grades or i had the smarts but i just knew if I could just get by, I'd graduate and I'd figure it out from there. Didn't really have a plan. And he's like, look, you say you want to go to college. I think it's going to be a waste of your money. Why don't you come to work for me? We'll put you through an apprenticeship program and you can become a machinist and then we'll see where it goes from there. And it worked out great. I cannot, I think a lot of the background I have in that business and the things that taught me just being in a family business have stuck for life. And it's given me just a different perspective now as an engineer and, um, I I did that for him and got my went through his apprenticeship and then became a machinist. But then he's pushed me sort of out of that role. It's like, well, we really started getting into some fabrication. So we were doing a lot of welding and that sort of thing and, and building frames and machines and things. So I sort of diverted paths and went that way and really got into and enjoyed the welding aspect of it and welding the difficult things. So we did a lot of stainless steels, aluminums, cast iron, and we proved that cast iron could be welded. I mean, the technology is actually caught up more to it today, but back then it was kind of a more of a science than a more of an art than a science. And I did that and everything was going well. And probably about seven, eight years into that journey, my dad decided he'd had enough and he sold the business. And there I am sitting going, oh no, what do I do now? And the owner of the business who bought the business was much more of a business man than my father. My father was really into it because he he did want to make money, but he did a lot of things because he built friendships within that business and he never really charged most of what he should have, but he made a living and he had those friendships and the guy that came in was much more of a businessman and really challenged me with the friendships. It taught me some things too about business. And I just didn't feel like I had a good fit. And I just started looking around and talking to people and saying, hey, I'm thinking of getting out. The, the new, the, 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 the ownership is just different. I don't feel real solid here. I don't like how we're treating customers, that sort of thing. And everybody said, Tony, you'd be great, but you really don't have any education behind you. So I'm like, okay. And I'm 25 years old at this point and go, I guess I'll go across the bridge and see what Purdue University offers. And at that time they were trying to, they had a program growing, going for non-traditional students, older students. And I talked to a counselor, a guidance counselor and said, this program's here. We probably get you some scholarship money. You can give it a try. So I took two classes part-time um, in, in the fall of that year and started. And just as I finished up that semester, I kind of did the math in my head and said, gosh, I'm going to be doing this for 15, 20 years. I'll never get done or at least get to use my degree. So at that point, I did one more semester part time. And then over that next summer, I said, I, I've got to go full time. So I quit my job working for this gentleman and took a part time job, sold my stuff, moved to an apartment in West Lafayette and started going to school full time at Purdue. And um, yeah, I was I can say this paying everything for myself and funding it no help from my parents sitting in those classes where you could see these 19 year old kids 20 year old kids that really just didn't care i was trying to absorb everything so it just meant a lot more to do it that way and as i went through that program i didn't need to but somebody convinced me to do a co-op so i'm like and it's a good thing I did because I was running out of money. So the co-op really funded the rest of my schooling and schooling was much cheaper than 20 some years ago as it is now, even at Purdue. So I got a co-op with Diamond Chain in Indianapolis and hmm. 
they make power transmission chain, you know, not not bicycle chain, but it's basically the same stuff. And it was just a really good experience because that was my real first exposure to a mass produced industry. I mean, the things I'd done before, I saw a lot of different industry, whether it was coil manufacturers, suppliers to automotive, things like that. But this was just a commodity market understanding how you need to have processes that are very efficient. And if you could come up with the cost savings of a penny on a process, that was huge because they were making millions of feet of this chain a year. So they were actually calculating into half of a cent improvements and things like that. So that was just, just a good experience for me to kind of coming out of that. And then finishing my degree at Purdue was awesome. And then from there, I went, uh, when I graduated, I ended up graduating and went to Detroit Diesel up in Redford, Michigan. I think it's, is that Redford? I, no, 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 no. It's, um, it's on Telegraph Road. It's just outside Detroit. Sorry. I don't think it's Redford. But anyway, went there. I was going into their process development group. So it was, again, taking some of that mass produced. And I was going to help engineer tooling, fixtures, things like that. And they had a great program and it, it used to be owned by Penske or it was owned by GM, Detroit Diesel was, Roger Penske back in the 80s. And he came in and still had the union there, but it was sort of a interesting relationship that they had because you still had a lot of the old GM mentality in the union, but he had completely changed the management in the front by bringing in people more appropriate. Um, and so I went to work there they had a college graduate and training program, CGIT. So it was very cool. You went in and you spent a week in different departments. So you would spend a week with quality. You'd spend a week or sometimes two weeks with scheduling, depending on your job. You might spend three or four days in finance in just different departments. Well, about halfway through this, it was supposed to be a six month program. They went through what they called an OJT on the job quotient program OJQ and they got rid of about 10% of the bottom half so they kind of did the GE thing right then mm -hmm. and they took every one of us there were about 15 of us in the college graduate and training program and they just plugged us in where we fit or not even where we fit they just plugged us in where there was an opening so I went from this program one week to that next Monday I'm coming into work at um, seven o'clock or yeah, 11 o'clock at three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm a second shift supervisor over a rod, connecting rod line and a piston line. And that's now I've got two lines of UAW workers that I'm supposed to supervise and make sure that they produce what they're supposed to produce every week. It was a punch in the gut. It was every day I can tell you at about noon, I didn't have to be at work till three, my stomach just got in knots. I, I did not look forward to going in. And I had other friends that had gone there and they were in different programs and they had survived and moved. But this was just. And all they did to compensate you was like they just wanted to give you more money because they knew. Yeah, no, I, I had something similar when I was working at um, uh, the Jeep plant in Toledo <clears throat> after they were acquired by um, the uh, Daimler Benz. They moved me the tune line, uh, tune line. Uh, it's the last, <clears throat> last part of the assembly line, um, where they do all the tweaking and stuff for the vehicles. And it was all the most senior guys, and it was a nightmare. I hated it. Um, but I was that tune line supervisor guy, exactly like you were saying. It was constant conflict between me and the union, and oh man, it was a nightmare. And I had the same punch in the gut kind of feel. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was just, it was not pleasant at all. In fact. The only funny thing, the only thing is, if everything went well, these guys could have their quotient. They had to produce 500 pistons and 500 rods in a shift. And if they didn't have any breakdowns or anything, they were done with that in four to five hours at the most. Once they got their quotient, they were gone. You didn't see them. And, I, and you couldn't do anything about it. They were gone playing cards, wandering around talking to other people. And if you tried to get them back, they're like, well, you got your 500. That's all. That's all we signed for. That's what's in the contract. Now you flip that around. If a machine went down and the next night you only got 300, they were still like, "Well, I can't do anything about it because the machine's down. So I'm just going to sit here." 
It's like, well, when the machine's running, how about we run ahead? So in case this happens, we have some backup. That is not the mentality at all. Right, right, yeah. So they did that for, or I did that job. And in the meantime, my dad had bought it, decided to start another machine shop. But this time he wanted to go a little more um, tech with more technology and bought um, some CNC equipment. He had one, he had the first double two headed two spindle turn Mazak with milling capabilities in the area. And then he bought a, just a horizontal milling machine. It was a Mazak as well to do mold work and things like that. Well, it had stretched him pretty thin and he was trying to manage, run those pieces of equipment, program them. And I was in such a bad spot. I just said, I, I'll come back and I will help you run your business <laughs> because this is not going, I do not want to do this forever. And I had, like I said, you could see where it was going. I was never going to get back to, I was going to be a supervisor or some sign of line manager if I stayed in that role. And that's not what I wanted to do at that time. So I came back and business was okay. Dad was certainly pretty deep into the debt and the things he had and just getting it going. And within one year, we had increased sales by 50% by me being there and getting within two years, we had paid off his equipment that he thought was going to take five. So we started to come out of that a bit. And at that time, then my wife at that time, she was pregnant with our first son. And so this is almost 20, gosh, 22 years ago. And the year before she had put an X on a calendar for every day that I did not work in some capacity for my dad's business. And she showed it to me and I, there were only three checks on that calendar for the year. I'm like, oh boy. And now we're getting ready to have a child. And I knew I wanted to be more of a father. And I'm like, gosh, that's a lot. And I love what I did though. Don't get me wrong. I didn't realize I was working that much because I loved it. I mean, I was, some days I was running a machine. Other days I was cleaning the floor. Some days I was doing accounting work. Other days I was in front of the customer, but we, it was very energizing and I just really loved it. But I knew as a dad, that wasn't going to be a good fit for me to be because I, I grew up with it. I mean, this was what my dad did and I saw it. There were just growing up like I would basketball practice would be over and there would be no dad there to pick me up. I'd have a game and he'd show up when the game was over and it, not because he didn't love me and care. It's just that's the nature of a family business. You've got to do whatever it takes. And so I found a job with Ray Magnet Wire in Lafayette and went there as a facilities engineer just to kind of give me a more regulated schedule and be a father. And that worked out okay. I, I worked, I was there for two or three years and then we were pregnant now with our second son and we wanted Lisa to stay home and be able to be a stay home mom. And here's how naive I was. I was talking to my brother who worked at Biomet and he's like, well, I'm not sure what's going on down at Depew, but they've been hiring a ton of people. So this was in 2000. What had happened is they got bought by J&J. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll go on their website. Yeah, there were websites back then, believe it or not, Telly. <laughs> Some people don't think That's so. You. Yeah. And um, so I went and I found a couple jobs I could apply for. They were kind of in the manufacturing engineering environment. And I applied and I was actually on a business trip over in Europe for my current for Ray Magnetwire. And when I get back, I had a phone call from a Tom Till at Depew mm -hmm. Orthopedics and it's like, hey, we got your resume and uh, like you to come in for an interview. I'm like, wow, OK, um, good. So my experience and exposure to orthopedics was I played a lot of volleyball and I had several friends that had knee issues and had orthoscopic surgery and came back with knee braces and water coolers to, you know, for post-operation. And I thought, oh, they must either make neoprene sleeves or the braces. That's what <laughs> I thought when I walked in the doors at Depew Orthopedics for an interview. And mm -hmm. Tom had asked me if I had like examples of parts I had programmed and I did. And I'm like, okay, I don't know why, but I'm bring I brought them with me and we sat and talked. And then as soon as I got there, I'm like, oh, they make, joint replacements. I was so totally unprepared for this interview from that aspect. I don't know 
how I got to the next interview, but I did. And so um, probably two or three weeks later, I got another call from Tom and he's like, hey, we'd like to bring you back. I came in and I left that knowing that I was probably going to get a job offer and, and I did. And so in 2000, we, uh, I came to work in Warsaw, Indiana. That was my first exposure to Warsaw other than I guess my first exposure to Warsaw was we had we raced sprint cars as well as a family. And the first time I drove a sprint car was at the Warsaw Fairgrounds. Oh, and, no way. Yeah. Raced against Tony Elliott, Bimbo Atkins, Dan England, a few of the local names that people probably are very aware of. But that was back in 95, 6, 7, sometime in that frame. And that's all I knew about Warsaw. I had no idea about the orthopedic capital of the world. And uh, so we started our journey there. Yeah, and in 2000 and moved here. And uh, we we set up shop. I originally was going to live in Fort Wayne because coming from Los Angeles isn't a huge town, but it's a lot bigger than Warsaw. It just seemed like that was a better fit. But I made that drive because they had me in temporary housing living in Fort Wayne. And just making that drive every day in May when the weather was nice and leaving at 6.30 in the morning and getting home at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. I'm like, how is that going to be a father for your sons? What are you going to miss? So we changed our started looking for locations in Warsaw and we found a place and we moved here, um, moved in. And I think July 4th weekend and then our son was born July 16th. So it was that close. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah. And I can say within the first six to eight months, I wasn't sure I was going to stay much longer because it was a hard fit coming from, like I said, Lafayette's not big, but the things that it offered to Warsaw. But as we started to get more plugged into community and the boys started to do more and we got to see that Warsaw's not. It took us to invest and find out what was there. It didn't come find us that then we were able to start saying, okay, this is a good place. And then as the boys grew up, they built friendships, we built friendships, and it was just, it was the perfect place to, to raise the boys and have, and for their childhood. And to just the friends we built in the community that's here, that it was, it was awesome. And so that started my career. I stayed with the Pew for 12 years and then I had an opportunity. I went to Biomet while it was still Biomet and worked in trauma. I was in product development now at this point. Trauma's always been my kind of thing. I think I I chalk it up to being raised in a machine shop and fixing things. That's why I think I like trauma more so than maybe total joints because we're trying to put things back together. And um, yeah, was there, worked in trauma. Really, my, my focus has always been IM nails and hip fracture. That's kind of where, if I would say I have a specialty, it's in those areas. And I was doing that with Biomet. And then um, we acquired Depew Trauma, which was kind of interesting because it came full circle. The, that group of people that I worked with at Depew now were part of us when they had to spin it off because of their synthes acquisition. And then we got the call one morning that we were going to be acquired by Zimmer and we became Zimmer Biomet, not overnight, but it, it sort of felt that way. And um, and that changed a lot of things and how we operated, but another another great career and just continued to progress. And then within about a year after the integration, I was I was the director of lower extremity trauma for Zimmer Biomet and it was just a great experience. I have to give a lot of credit to the gentleman, Randy, who hired me to do that and took the chance and mentored me and, and really got me to where, you know, that was a really different role doing some managing of people and stayed in that role until uh, about four years, three years ago, I guess, and ended up going back to Depew, honestly. there. The trauma was not getting the investing in the group and it just didn't seem like it was it was really going anywhere and somebody i'd worked with before at the pew said hey we have an opportunity and it was a good opportunity for me to grow into sort of the business side of that and get away from the technology side and then now about a year ago i got approached a little more than a year ago by a recruiter and a 
presented this opportunity for orthopediatrics to lead their um, engineering team on the traumaty and deformity correction. And it's been not something I could have crafted myself. It, it's been a great opportunity and it, it's just been exactly what I needed from, I think, a personal and career perspective. So I know that didn't. For, for people who are listening that may, may be struggling to get a sense of the size of these businesses, um, so Depew is um, one of the largest orthopedic companies, um, uh, one of the top five. It's owned by Johnson & Johnson. Comparable in size to that is Zimmer Biomet. Those were separate companies that were fairly large that, com that merged. Um, and Orthopediatrics is where Tony is now is probably in what I would say the small to medium size. Um, <laughs> the vibe that I get is still a lot of that startup energy, a lot of a lot of and and uh, a lot of excitement um, and a lot of people who are uh, able to wear a lot of hats and um, still a lot of uh, innovation real estate. So there's a lot of opportunity and potential for innovation. Um, they focus on um, making orthopedic products for children. Um, the name orthopediatrics for those people who aren't aware of that kind of Latin-esque combination of those two things is is the, um, the bones for kids, right? So orthopediatrics is, is implants for kids. Um, so Tony, give us a sense of, um, I, for people who don't know what it's like to work at those various size companies, the different environments and energies and, and how they work. Yeah, I think you could even segregate it down a little more that you say Depew is huge, but then it's owned by the biggest. It's owned by Johnson & Johnson. So that has a very bureaucratic structure, but they offer a lot of things that smaller companies, even Zimmer Biomet can't offer to their employees to make it attractive to work there and enjoyable to work there as well. They've got the money to do research, true research, and they can they can afford to have a project or a product not do as well as planned where somebody certainly like orthopediatrics we don't have that ability to invest that any a substantial amount of money and have it not succeed we can so there's a huge range of difference but with that comes a lot of bureaucracy a lot of layers i would say with with that and and that's great for some people and it's a good environment to work for it is definitely they they take care of their employees and it, it's it's uh it's well-funded, there's somebody to do everything. I think that's, if there's a downside, you're really in a lane, you're kind of in a, you stay here. And if you wanna do something outside, even being an engineer, if you wanna do research, there's a group that does research and you you can talk to them, but they're gonna do the research and you can interact with them, but they're gonna do the research. So there's a little more hands-off, it was how I would describe that maybe a little bit and definitely certain certainly siloed. And then Zimmer Biomet, you know, is is a large company in itself. And I think the thing you've got going on there is that I'm not sure they know who they are yet. I think I know who they want to be or they feel like they who they want to be, but they aren't there yet. And I think there's some leftover Zimmer sort of management mentalities and structure that kind of make up the overall organization and kind of how it's managed. And it's it's just if I think my experience shows if you grew up in the Zimmer culture and structure, you can function okay with Zimmer Biomed. If you came outside where most people from Biomed, if you look, I don't know what percentage, not a lot of Biomed, the the true Biomed people are left there in in positions of leadership. And so because it's just that much different because there is definitely a hierarchy. It's not as much we can just get this done, which was Biomet, which was very much led by the engineers. Biomet was the engineers make decisions, the technology, the products sell themselves. Zimmer's like we have marketing and salespeople to sell the product. And it's just kind of a different overview and it works for them. Obviously they're a very successful company and, and they, they've done well. It's just, I think a lot depends what your personality is. There's a lot of engineers I know that thrive in that because they are out of the limelight. They aren't customer facing as much and they just get to do engineering and others aren't as comfortable with that because they want to be in those meetings. They want to talk to the customer. They want to be out there 
and seeing things. And what you have with orthopediatrics is, I, like I said, the first thing is they are still a growing company and there are most people say that what we do is a niche within the over or the overall orthopedic market. We are a niche by focusing clearly on the development of kids and only kids. And it's grown at about 20% a year for the past five years or so. And that's what our expected growth rate is still. We expect to continue to grow. Um, we were doing very well this year until we all know what happened in around March. It changed everything, but we still have had a very satisfactory year. And I think the thing that you can say that is completely different is the thing that makes OP there. And if you talk to anybody that works there, it's the culture, it's the people. People want to be there because of that culture and what we do. And I mean, the stories you hear about the kids' lives and how we make them better and the things we offer them where they didn't have a solution before, it's just amazing. And that grow from just doing trauma and deformity correction to having a scoliosis part of our business now is pretty incredible just to listen to how it grew and the people that have been there for so many years with the vision to get there. And um, you do wear a lot of hats. I mean, there's a lot of decisions that are made and conversations I'm in. It might be around operations. It can be around quality regulatory where, again, coming from a big organization, it's less like, well, they, that's them. Let them make that decision. You're involved and they are giving input too. So it is very much, if you, I guess, if you will, much more of a team oriented where everybody, we all know what the end goal is and everybody will pitch in to help us get there. We, it's the good of the company and not necessarily the good of the individual that I see is kind of being the different sort of mentality. Right on. So you've had a exposure to a bunch of different sized towns. Um, now that you've you've uh, you know you've spent the last twenty years here in Warsaw, how does uh, what what are some of the aspects of Warsaw that you both find surprising and that you find appealing for somebody who might be considering moving here? Yeah, I would say the first thing is you've got to be here to experience it. I mean, you can't you can't do the drive by on thirty and think that you're going to get any sort of exposure to what Warsaw is. And I think. For me, it's just the things it offers. There's a lot of amazing talent here and businesses that you would not expect to see in a town this size from the restaurants all the way up through supply chain for the orthopedic companies, very capable uh, machining capacities, uh, modeling as far as like prototypes, as well as people that, that can even within regulatory and some of the other smaller segments there's just a lot of people that are here that now have got businesses and helping us specialize and helping that industry thrive that you would not expect to be here just the quality and i think that brings in the quality of the people that it brings into the community has been something that's been very surprising to me when you think of how much is vested in the school systems it's a little different for me now my sons are through the school system and on and out but just to have that available for a town this size is I, I remember talking to my sister who lives in Fishers and them having to provide paper for the copiers and the and the printing machines so that the kids could have handouts and I'm like what and none of that's ever been asked of anybody in Warsaw you know and that's all funded but the the quality of restaurants and and things to do the, the entrepreneurs if you will or the people that are like hey we need we need a bourbon bar so now we have one and it's great and we need better food options so we have the 110s and the ruas and noah noah and cerulean that you would never expect that to be here you would expect to see what you see on 30 maybe a ruby tuesday and an applebee's and that is just something that is um very surprising and, and such a blessing to have because I can tell you being married to Julie to get her to come and like Warsaw was a big ask to leave Grand Rapids Michigan where she has all that to the little town of Warsaw it had to offer something and it, and it has and I think the other is you build friendships even if you can't be a lake person you can enjoy the lake still because your friendships the connections you make somebody's going to know somebody that has a boat that can get you out on the lake 
and that is definitely a big part of this area and just a lot of the festivals and things that go on in the bike community is just I spent a lot of time biking maybe not as much in the past couple years but that group too in itself has just been very helpful to us as well as the church I mean WCC has been an integral part of our life and the friendships we built out of that have been just impressive right on you may have, may have noticed me do a little bit of cheer in the background here um you know what you just shared uh tony i mean exactly what we found uh since moving to the area about two years ago for wayne you know that you just you just don't get a sense of what there is in warsaw and throughout the county it's a big county until mm -hmm. you're here and you know maybe maybe it just it starts with a visit if you just visit and experience it and and just um take that first step uh and uh so only half kidding we will be sending in a release form your way to be able to use your comments there uh, in our, our marketing uh, but i think uh, what we've also keyed in on is something that what we found is that's unique among our peer communities this isn't a one company town you know it's not come here and if your career doesn't work out of that company you got to move somewhere else it's it's a multiple industry town uh, where you can work at agribusiness, orthopedics, other companies. I, I kind of put under the recreation sector, uh, and these are companies, you know, frankly, that are the people that, that want to make a difference. If it's helping feed the world, if it's helping heal people, help with patient outcomes, recreation sector helping people restore and get rejuvenated. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but uh, if you want to make a difference, uh, there there are opportunities here for sure, right? Yeah, and, and he gave us another tidbit, which I think might have slipped by, but I'm going to reinforce it. Uh, if you don't want to make an investment in a boat, that's okay. There's plenty of people here you can be friends with that have boats. I live by that. <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs> Me too. We actually uh, we pull in this year, so we've got we got some chips to play. You know, we don't have a boat or a lake, but you know. We'll trade you know you let us come you know hang out in your boat for afternoon we'll invite you to the pool there you <laughs> go exactly yeah that's so true that is funny you got that nice bargaining chip mm -hmm. but at the point yeah exactly you're dead on i mean uh jody that that and tony you said it too i mean people here they want to welcome you in they want to you know uh, they want to help you be successful in the community uh even as simple as you don't have to own a boat. If you're going to find people, they're going to invite you over. Um, and this is such a great quality of life that I enjoy because of the, uh, the lakes and the water. Yeah, and you've got, you've got a unique perspective that I kind of want to tap into regarding the Warsaw schools and how your boys um, engaged with the community and their friends. Um, so um, what was your experience as they were going through Warsaw um, with you know the amount of things that they could be involved in, um, what sort of things that, that did they enjoy doing around town? And what did you think of Warsaw as a place to raise uh, children? Oh, that, it couldn't have been better. I mean, when you think of the first thing as a parent, you want your kids to have opportunities and they're there. They aren't given to them. They have to go out again, seek them and work at it. But there, <clears throat> there's also friendships to be had and safety. And I think that that's the other thing you think about in Warsaw, certainly is a safety is a safe place to raise your kids and i think it's an area that it just blew me away mason who's my oldest when we went through his when we went to warsaw high school and started laying out his career path and you go through the career center over there and you see all these programs from agriculture to uh machine machining and design technology They've got business and entrepreneur classes. You can get involved in culinary things. And you're like, at this high school, you have all these options to choose, which is awesome because so many kids are just heads down, do good at literature and writing and math and science, and then get into college and I'll figure it out then. They got to try it here. And Mason, he he tried everything. He He first was going to be a pilot and they offered that. He did his ground school at the high school, which was, mind-blowing and from there then he took flight classes and at the flying club in town he got his private pilot's license and 
it was amazing. And he was able to, he was on the swim team as well, built a lot of good friendships there and uh, just really thrived. Now he's, he's on the city police department. So he, he calls Warsaw home. He has no desire to leave. He's going to be here and he loves what he does. And he's had that experience. And then he really bonded well. He made a lot of good friends. It was interesting. Even his closest friends all really met at, at youth group at church. They became friends through that and they still have kind of really maintained that friendship. And Tyler was the same way. He was, um, he was into lots of different sports and that's what he tried. He tried everything and he was going to be a major league pitcher. He was going to be an NFL quarterback. He was going to play in the NBA. He, he had big dreams, <laughs> but he gravitated to basketball and w what a great city to not fall in love with that sport. Cause there's just so many people that support it and just to have the friendships that he had. And, um, you know, going through the programs and going, being able to go through high school and be a Tiger basketball player. It was, it was good. There was a lot of pressure because this, the standard of that team is, is very high. And I think that helped prepare him for, for college because he had to work hard and, and, and have that dedication. And I think within the, within the overall community, there's just a lot of support. There's a lot of friendships to be had. And, um, I think they both in their different ways really embraced it and and found their way through it and they didn't do it the same way but lots of opportunities there again and i think for tyler who's now studying engineering at purdue his exposure at warsaw to some of the design technology the design the machining technologies and those really made it concrete that that is where he would like to be yeah as a judge for the VEX robotics program, I can tell you that uh, Wawasee and Warsaw have a stellar robotics program. It's mm -hmm. incredible. Um, I think uh, Wawasee, I don't know if they're uh, number one this year, but um, their, their Ironside uh, VEX robotics program was dominating for the last few years. I think they're still a top contender anyways for uh, the national championship. And little... Old Kosciuszko County. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It just shows what. And again, even going through that, I know several engineers that volunteered their time for those robotics programs. And hats off to the employers that let them have that flexibility to be able to leave and do that. Leave leave work to go do that and sacrifice some work time. Yeah, JC Innovations boss is uh, he's he's pretty invested in that kind of thing. I bet so. <laughs> he's a little bit of a nerd. Yeah, yeah, that's what everyone says. <laughs> that sounds like one of those uh, kind of well kept secrets. I mean, we haven't talked about on the podcast before is a robotics team. Um, you know, we've got a great you know ag programs in the high schools. I mean, biomedical engineering. I mean. Whitco just opened a, a fantastic career center with, I mean, probably the best um, kind of hands-on, you know, machining prototyping place I've ever seen in a, in a you know, high school environment. I know the Ivy Tech has a similar kind of capability, but I guess my question then, I guess, uh, you know, Tony, are there other kind of well-kept secrets you've come across uh, in your, your 20 years or so in the community, places, things that, man, people really need to know more about. I mean, a lot of times people mention restaurants or, or parks or things, but I'm sure you've come up with or come around or come across other things as well that, that just don't maybe aren't as well known that, uh, that really sets apart. Well, I don't want to say too much about them because then all these people are going to start showing up and making it crowded. <laughs> <laughs> I love, absolutely love the mountain bike trails. And I don't know how much of a secret that is. I know everybody knows the Greenway, but if you're into off-road biking at all and there's just very high quality people involved in that and if you want to plug in the the kcv that club is in two things and they do so much for the community i think another well-kept secret is stonehenge golf course to have a golf course of that caliber right in our backyard and be affordable is amazing i mean that is a golf course that is in a different city you're not going to get on on Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon and pay the rates that you do. And it's it's another testimony to the people of the community to uh, step up and actually make sure that stayed here. Because I know 
couple years ago, that was something that looked like it might go away. And that would have been a shame because I think, again, for the people that live here and the people that are going to look for that sort of entertainment, I think that's a, that's a nice little, if you will, secret to have in our backyard. And um, I think it, I think there's more to be seen where that goes and who it might attract as well because of I know golf has sort of dropped a little bit in popularity, but it's still right there. And um, as far as one of the activities, I think a lot of professionals still play and um, it's a great sport. So those would be two I can think of. I don't, I'm not sure if, uh, not sure if Napanese in Kosciuszko County, is it still? The south part of Napanee is in the county. Yeah, we'll well, there's rule 152 there. I don't know how many people know about it as a restaurant goes. That's a nice little secret place, too. And that's something that I think we really, uh, Jody, we have highlighted before, or maybe we haven't as much as we could, is, you know, within a half hour to an hour drive, just how much there is in our in our, our backyard. Oh, sure. I mean, if folks are coming in even from Chicago or a larger market, they're used to driving a half hour to go five miles. I mean, you can drive half hour to 45 minutes and you're like two counties over. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the um, we, we trade traffic for trains and I'll take trains any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, no doubt we do. That is funny. Yeah, my wife actually does the reverse commute. She drives every day from here to Fort Wayne to work and she yeah. uh, but it's not it's not that to her coming from Grand Rapids again, she was driving a half hour to work anyway. It maybe not have been the distance, but it was taking her almost as long to go from her place to her work now. And right. it's, it's it's just nice to have again the facility and the and the business she gets to work for. So, so I'm curious. Any questions for both of you guys? I mean. Um, mentioned, you know, working in, in Michigan and, and Jody, I know you've worked in, in Northwest Ohio. I mean, how do we, how do we reach out to more people, you know, who might really like just the career opportunities, the quality of life we have to offer, you know, in our area? Um, you know, hey, if you've gotten to a certain point in your career working in automotive or something else uh, in another market, I mean, you could easily translate those skills. And again, it's not just a, a one company town. This is a hey, you can you can really find your niche here and experience a lot of different kinds of work environments over the course of your career uh, in our area. Yeah, yeah, no, you bring up a, that's a really good question. The I think the um, the question actually breaks down into different demographics. I, mm -hmm. I think we have a younger um, demographic of of people who are just entering into their career. They're interested in the social aspects of being in a, a larger company uh, and the career opportunity for advancement, right? Um, what they right. don't realize right. is that if you don't pull off a 30 and check out the town, you'll never see all of the fantastic stuff going on for young professionals. Um, and like Tony said, it, it's one of those things where we wanna make these hidden gems a little less hidden. Like on the backside of Noah Noah's is a volleyball bar. And when the weather is nice, that place is hopping. And it's it's not the only place, but it's a good example of the kind of place where a younger person would be interested in 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 exploring that kind of social scene um, with some of the other people that they work with or with other people of the same age and in um, you know the same bent and and so um, that demographic is going to be interested in both that kind of <clears throat> social aspect and the career advancement opportunities. Now you plug into a Zimmer or Biomed or the Pew or something like that, or even a smaller company that's like, <clears throat> or the pediatrics that's growing so substantially year over year. There's huge opportunities there. It's just making sure those pictures are painted clearly enough and exciting enough that people are engaged by it. And part of the part of the, what we're doing here with the podcast, I think is using a medium that's going to resonate with that younger demographic but i'm sure there's other ways we could reach out i'm sure there's other ways we could make it more appealing not to mention we're only two hours away from any other major city right you can you can head two hours in any direction and, and hit a major city which is a nice place to be right because maybe not everybody wants to live in a chicago but you'll drive two hours and you're there right and then you can 
enjoy all the aspects of that city, right? For somebody who's um, got some some wear on the tires and they've got some years of experience and they're ready to start to settle with uh, settle down and have a, a family and and start to plant those roots, then you can't find a better place than Warsaw. In my perspective, I mean, I've, I've lived around. I've lived in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio and so in a variety of different sized towns, I can tell you there's nothing like that I've experienced, like Warsaw. Um, it's safe. It's easy to get to anywhere in this town. And like Tony was saying, for the size of town, you wouldn't expect the, the, the culinary artists that we have here who have started their uh, restaurants. You go into 110, that's the kind of place you would expect to see in, you know, a, a, a large city and a fancy part of a large city. You know, you're getting fantastic food. You've got a great environment um, to, to experience that food and, and socialize with people. It's, it's incredible. And then for, for people who want to start businesses in this town, well, all you have to do is meet Alan Teo. And you're going to know that immediately this is the best place to put down uh, any sort of business, right? You're going to get full support. There's an entire community of people here who want to see that business succeed. And so that's that's the way I would look at it, if you were to ask me, but you did. Well, a slide release for your way to go. What was that? We're going to slide the release form your way to be able to use your comments as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Jody brings in a great perspective of how Warsaw does, can and does fit the need for a lot of different age groups and demographics. You know, I am not a soccer player, but I was shocked to find out so many young people in my organizations play. There's a rec soccer league here in town, which you wouldn't expect for Warsaw. There's also softball, and they're playing in these. I mean, these are regular activities. There's volleyball leagues, indoor and outdoor, that people are participating in, and that that younger crowd, they're looking for those things. And if they need a little more competition, they, they've got those opportunities 45 minutes away in Fort Wayne to be on different teams, but, but then they're back home and in Warsaw. And I think, it, absolutely, I, I think it is a sweet spot for raising your family and choosing how you wanna raise your kids here. And I think even then, as you look, as you get older, what a great place to be in those later years where I guess in my career where I am right now, that it's a good place to be able to start thinking about winding my career down and how we're going to spend this, I'll air quote, the gold, the golden years. This age I'm in, this empty nest has just been, it's like, this is a good place to be. There's because there's just the options, whether it's for us, you know, we, we have a house so that we can go down and be in the village on our bikes and we can partake in that and a lot of the community activities that go there. And then when you're there, it, you see the whole demographic. You see the young kids at the splash pad at the, at the beach or just running around in the park. You see older people walking their dog or out with families. And it's just something that if you don't embrace that and get involved in that, that's not on the community. That's on you as an individual for not seeking it out because it's there. And all you got to, you don't even have to try that hard to find it. You're going to step in it. And it, and it's something that I think for any, wherever you are in life is, um, it's something that Warsaw, Winona Lake, Kosciuszko County can offer you. I guess as a follow-up question, um, you know, something I'd like to ask folks, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, you know, is there anything you would add uh, to the community of change or, or just, and when I'm thinking about this, maybe in the context of helping you and the orthopedic be able to recruit even more people into our market. Uh, imagine, you know, finding finding peoples is you know, an ongoing, just just uh, um, full time focus. It's helping to make sure you find the right people. Um, so how how can we maybe is there anything we could change, add, make better that would help you be more successful with that? Yeah, it is. Um, that's a really good question, and I, I it, it's it's harder for me, I think, sometimes to answer that question, Alan, because I am settled, and I think I I look around and go, the needs I need are not here. And in general, you know, the people that 
I know, obviously, I interact with her from here. So I, I'm not saying I, I'm probably removed or insulated a little bit. What I would say that Warsaw doesn't offer right now. You hear things like a high-speed train and an airport, or things that would be just make life easier because there's a lot of travel that happens for people that live in Warsaw just because of our businesses and having to. I don't think it's that inconvenient, but for some people having to drive to South Bend or Fort Wayne to get that connecting flight is an inconvenience. I don't to me, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it's something you hear about um, having a high speed train option so that you could get to Chicago or somewhere else quickly without having to drive, I think is something that other people that just at least when you talk to them, look forward that they think would make life easier um i suppose that would improve their quality of life i think it would help to have some i think from the standpoint of i don't know where it goes but better shopping options i think would be helpful for some people i, I think they're pretty limited if you want anything a little bit maybe above walmart and and meyer and some people do we don't have a lot of that available to us but i obviously understand that there's a there's an economy around that that makes it a little bit challenging when it's 14,000 people or 20,000 people close by that some of those is just not going to make sense. But if we could move the trains, well, that would be great and not get stopped by those. That would be awesome. I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, what the city does with 15 and 30. I think those are kind of bottlenecks as they crisscross through our town as well if there's options there from a from a bypass standpoint i don't know but those are very big asks i don't have anything shorts really other than that feedback that i could say boy these would be great ads right on right on as jerry would say you will say that yes <laughs> as i tend to say yeah yeah, and if, if you're looking for uh, high-end furniture, I'm going to give a shout-out to Weaver Furniture. It's about 20 minutes north. Um, oh. Incredible. I don't know if you guys have been up there. It's like it's artwork. So anyways, I figured shout-out for, for that because it's I just uh, not too long ago bought something from them, and I was like, wow, that is really, really pretty and fantastic. So I've got an appreciation for that now. Okay. <laughs> I can only say if it's pretty and fantastic if if the wife would agree that it was pretty and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I recommend anybody who's interested in getting a piece, a really nice piece to swing it through. Okay. That's good to know. Awesome. All right. Is it that Ready, time, Alan? Alan? What time? That time. Okay. We're at that time. All right. Well, um, Tony, I don't know if uh if um if Jody gave you the heads up, but we have a, a question we like to end on uh, on the series, and, and you know it's called the Clearly Casagasco Podcast Series, and it's a, a brand, a name that uh, the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams helped put together. Uh, you know, to help really help tell the story of Casagasco County, but you know, really it's up to us to help fill in. You know, what does that what does that Casagasco mean? So, I'd like to ask our guests, you know, when there's no right or wrong answer, right? This is kind of like the Rorschach test. Uh, you know, when you hear clearly Kosciuszko, when you see the billboards, when you think of its term, you know, what does that mean for you? So the question, Tony, is what does clearly Kosciuszko mean to you? Uh, to me, it means I, I the first thing I think of is fun, enjoyment, um, uh, a, a lifestyle that uh, is fulfilling and um a lot of energy put into the community and caring and and just friendly genuinely friendly people you know it just means a, a lot of those different things and it's funny we had um i don't know maybe two years ago we were sitting on the on winona lake watching the the fireworks at a friend's house and Julie's family was here and they were they were just commenting it's like this is like out of a movie just the calmness the peacefulness the friendliness 
they didn't know the, my friends from anybody and they just welcomed them in. And to me, that really, you, you think the lakes, but that just, the lakes are part of it, but it's really the people. And that to me is really what clearly Kosciuszko is. It's the people that make up this environment. And, and we're definitely blessed by the industry that's here to draw in the level and the quality of people that we have to, to interact with. Right on, good answer. Fantastic. Hey, I think I might have a, a bad connection. This has come through, Jody. You can pull us out today, but but Tony, yeah. this has been a great discussion. Thank you for sharing uh, your perspectives, all the things you've learned and uh, um, um, observed during your, your time, your career in Warsaw, living in Warsaw, your family growing and uh, becoming such a, a part of Warsaw, the community. So thank you for being with us today. And Jody, always a pleasure. Telly, yes, you got to stop, stop being so loud, man. You're, you're, you've got to <laughs> calm down and be quiet. <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, uh, Tony. It's good to see you as always, and we really appreciate your time and participating in this. Alan, good to see you, bud, in the bunker or All whatever right. it is you're in over there. And yeah. uh, Telly, great job as usual. All right, well, thanks for having me. You guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much.